Electric Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk from Pinkalbon on Twitter, and I'm here with Danilo Diaz, who uh, is a game designer. I'm going to ask you more. It's funny. I, this happens every time I have someone who works in games on the show. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you more about what that entails, because it seems like when, when you're a game designer, you do about 800 different jobs. Um, yes. On, on, uh, on a lot of really cool uh, uh I guess you could say retro-styled games, um, although that feels like a little bit of a, of a, of a. It doesn't quite capture exactly what's going on, but you might recognize some of them, like Oniken and Odalis and Moonrider and Blazing Chrome. And we're here; uh, he's here with us. So thanks for thanks for making the time for us. I appreciate it, Danilo. Oh, thank you very much for for having me here. Uh, I'm, uh, first of all, I'm sorry for for my English. I, I hope it's okay for for it's everyone. Great. Don't worry. Uh, uh-huh. It's, it's it's way better than my Portuguese, so if that, oh, okay. uh, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, thank thank you for for having me today. Of course, yeah. So, um, I guess my first question is like, um, so you're 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 affiliated with Joy Masher. I, I'm is Joy Masher. Joy Masher is more than just uh, you. It's a it's a team of, of folks, or is it just you? Oh, it's basically uh, me and Thais. Okay. Uh, she, she's my wife, and we, we're starting to, to making games together. Oh, that's and, so cool! Yeah, and depending of the game, sometimes it's just two of us. Sometimes we have someone else to to help us. It, it depends of the project. That makes sense. Mm. Um, that's really cool because, of course, like one of the things that one of the things that strikes me about about game making is like it is such a um, I don't know, like it's such a, a particular and like individualized and, and almost like emotional thing to do when it's on when it's on sort of a smaller scale. And so to have, you know, to have a partner that is also, you know, your your partner in life as well. Uh, uh-huh. I would imagine that helps a lot. Um, yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there are like comp- I'm sure there are times where. You know, there's ups and downs, just with like any sort of uh, uh, games making partnership or artistic partnership. But I would expect that kind of support is super, super yes. helpful when you have your wife on your side like that. So, sometimes it's great. Sometimes we fight. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did so? Did um? Is the is sort of like the retro aesthetic, uh, which is to say, you have. In, in much the same way that you people see in like in games like um, uh, the Bloodstained series or whatever, like there's there's like a a, a very very um, a true sort of uh, commitment to older aesthetics, not just in terms of you know it's just pixel art, but these games do feel in many ways like games from. Um, I mean, Oniken feels like an NES game. Um, I think uh, Moonrider feels a little bit like a like a mix between a like sort of a tweener game between a 16 bit game and a 32 bit game. Like it, it really they do feel like older older games in, in very real sort of like material ways. Is that something that both you and your wife are interested in or was that one of you more interested in than the other? Well, yeah, um, it's it's like something that we 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 grew up with those old games. Um, she was more into retro PC games because she, she she has a PC when she was growing up. And for me, it, it's like um, when we talk about vi- video games, the first things that come to my mind are, are, are the, the games that I've played when I was a child. Mm. So uh, it's it's like 
when I see, when I think about video games, I, I think about old games. So yeah, it, it becomes like that for 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 us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I really like how um, I like how so like particularly in I, I think this is this is for me particularly in, in Moonrider, but like it's also in um, and Moonrider has a longer name. It's uh, I'm bad with names. Uh, it's uh, Vengeful Guardian Moonrider. Oh yeah, but, um, but we we call it just Moonrider. Yeah, you can find it. If you <laughs> but um, if you uh, you know, one of the things about that game that I found like so fun when I and and like compelling when I picked it up is it has the same kind of, um, for lack of a better word, the same kind of weightedness to the character that mm-hmm. um, that uh, um, the like those kinds of games have. Like it feels. I feel like a lot of like retro games now will look retro, but feel kind of as smooth or as um, I guess like frictionless as um, modern games. And what I loved about Moonrider was like the kind of like heft and weight of the character, the the way that you were doing jumps and the fact that it always felt like it was being pulled down to earth a little bit, especially before you get any power ups. Uh-huh. It's like it it feels like those old games. It's not just you know oh I love those old games so I'm making them again. It's like it's as if you're sort of designing within that moment in time. Like the game could have come out in 1999, and I would have believed you. Yeah, I I I see that. It's like we we don't use like fancy blurb in the moves of the characters, right? Like like a, yeah, the, the some the acceleration or or, or mixels are or just we just we just use like one pixel or no pixel. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't move half pixels. I think that's what what you're talking about about the the move of the games. That's really interesting. Yeah, that I mean that uh, explains it because like it really it feels like that half pixel would totally make a set make sense in terms of like why I don't know like um, I don't know like modern platformers feel a little you know again less weighty floaty, like, right uh-huh. yeah right uh-huh. exactly um, and that clunkiness actually is like it feels good because it, it it forces you to master the game a little more. Um, and I mean, for, for lack of a better word, it, it, those games feel like your, your games feel like they are from that era and not just, you know, trying to recapture something for nostalgia, but like actually sort of iterating on that. So I really like them. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. That, that was, um, and I think that also helps with the inputs, like of the, the games, um, I, I was talking with a friend of mine, John, John Lindemann from, um, uh, Digital Foundry. Oh, okay. He, yeah, he he told me that the input lag of our games are really like almost like NES game. So I I think that helps. That that's because of the kind of movement we we put in the games. Yeah, Onikan absolutely feels like an NES game to me in a way that again, like actually, uh, I, I have nothing against them. I, I really like the Bloodstained games, but I don't think they feel like NES games to me. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they're they're modern takes on on retro games, and I exactly. think this is, this yeah. is cool as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's just a different approach. I, I think like I admire this because it, you know, even even the music feels like you are playing with the technology that like the the developers would have had at that period of time right like it's not you're not it doesn't feel like you're cheating at all and, and bringing in anything that they wouldn't have had is that but fairly we, accurate? we cheat a lot we cheat a lot but <laughs> in, in, in a in a special way that doesn't appear that much <laughs> <laughs> well it, it is hard to find uh the way that you're cheating but uh, um 
I do. I do think uh, I, I, I I like the fact that uh, that it doesn't feel that way. But I also I'm glad that uh, that you're not killing yourselves and just oh, <laughs> you no, know, no, trying no. that hard to, to do everything <laughs> that right. Some cheating is important. Um, uh-huh. So when you when you design games, so I'm, I'm I'm assuming on some level, both you and your wife and whoever you're working with uh, in any given Joy Master game. Um, you wear a lot of like you do a lot of different things like I'm, I'm imagining it's not, you know, like you only do the art or you only do the coding or you only do the level design or whatever. I'm sure everyone kind of chips oh, in. Oh, no. Yeah, we, we um, do everything. <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it is it that like is it always everyone doing everything or are there certain things that um, you feel like you specialize in or your wife specializes in or you like to call in others for? Um, for instance, in the last game that we we released, Moonrider, um, at first, that at the beginning of the game, uh, I was coding and making the art of the game. I, I was basically doing everything myself. Mm-hmm. And then we I, I started to work with Andre, and uh, Andre started to code the game. He, he became the mm-hmm. main pro- programmer of the game because I, I couldn't do all myself, right? Right. And Thais was more like having a, a uh, like when a producer, she was being a producer of the game. But I, I remember that sometimes I, I was making art and I have to prog- program again some, some stuff. <laughs> and Andre, he was just programming, but sometimes he had to make level design as well. And okay. Thais was like being the producer, but then she started to write the plot of the game and, and <laughs> making the, the stuff for the cutscenes. So it, it, it's always like that. We, we, we have to, to do, like, every, every time we have to do something different. It's funny, because I, I would think, like, if you if you told me about a producer on a big game, I would say, oh, you know, like a AAA game or whatever, I would say, oh, they, I, I bet they did the least work out of everyone. Uh, if you told me about a producer on an indie game, I'd be like, I bet they did the, they oh, no, done yeah, the most work. Like, you're just doing everything. Uh-huh. It's crazy, because uh, she, being the producer, she had to produce the game, of course, and, and negotiate with the publisher. And get, getting the 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 money and and uh, messing with the money and and doing all kinds of stuff and yeah it, it's crazy such a thankless job <laughs> uh, wow that's uh, that's impressive um so do you like um I'm trying to think of how to, what to ask next I mm-hmm. I guess the next thing I'd ask is when you're making these games um. Where do you sort of start from an idea? Like, like, do you start from the concept of like, okay, we want to make a game that resembles this system. Like, we want we want this to look like a Nintendo game, or we want this to look like a like a thirty two X game, or, or something like that. Or do you start with um, like an idea of the plot, or, or or something like that? Like, is it you know where where do you where do you, where does the the process sort of begin for you guys, or is it different every time? It's kind of different. Like for for instance, Blazing Chrome, it was it it begin 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 in the beginning was very organical because it mm-hmm. was like I was playing I, I was developing Odalus and I, I was like oh man I I don't want to to play like Metroidvania or Metroid like games anymore I'm I'm tired because I'm I'm developing a game that kind of is. It's like a Metroidvania, but it's a mix of action. 
And it's so easy to burn out on that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, was, yeah. Even not developing them, I've burned out on Metroidvania. Sure. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there's a lot of Metroidvania games as well. And I, I was starting to get like tired of it. And I start to play a lot of Mega Drive games mm. because they're they're fast. You just play after lunch and you advance a little more and you die and you game over and okay next next time I, I will try again and I'm going to, to get longer in the game and that became like my my escape my escape evolved during the development yeah nice <laughs> uh, need one of those I, I would yeah. imagine I, I expect like yeah that's like it reminds me of talking to people where uh you know you talk to them at any sort of job but especially people who are doing something that like they love or or, or sounds like really fun and and it's just like yeah it is good but you know too much of a good thing can also be something you need kind of a yes. break from every so often and, and it became it became a job yeah. Every time it starts like a, a really good thing that you're doing and then start to become a job. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. no way because you have to, sadly, you have to make money. So you have to make that thing in a like commercial yeah. time. Yeah. Because I mean, your your games are on Switch. They're on Steam. It's not like it's not like, you know, it's only available by, you know, it, emailing you and and yeah like, and sadly getting, that's getting the truth i prefer that it would be like uh, oh okay i will finish the game and i will start to mail the game for people it would be way more cooler it's <laughs> like a a shareware but <laughs> yeah sadly, no. uh, it seems like such a cool that. yeah like thinking back on it now like when i mean i know when i saw them in like uh in in I'm not sure how shareware was uh, was was uh, um, distributed in in um, in Brazil, but I, I know like um, you're in Brazil, right? I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, just, Brazil. Yeah, I, I forgot like if I just assumed that or not. <laughs> but uh, uh, where where I was, it was like in um, in like office uh, office supply stores. <laughs> You'd find like little discs and CDs. You'd uh -huh. be able to buy like the first three levels of Doom. And I remember thinking like, what a weird way to distribute games. And now that I'm older, it's like, boy, I wish we could go back. Like, yeah. Was, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I miss the old times as well. Like in, in Brazil, it was kind of different because it mm -hmm. was not that common to to really buy games. That, okay. Uh, like uh, the, the, the PC games, we, we had a lot of piracy. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, but... Um, uh, uh, also the, very cool. Yeah. The, then the times starting to... Like we we getting at the end of the nineties, and then the the Brazilian companies start to bring the the, the games the like the American games and the European games from here in mm. a affordable price, and then I think they they came in magazines. So okay. it was really cool. I I I wonder if that's not po why that's not possible anymore. Imagine you buy a magazine that came with an indie game. That the, the developers, really cool. it would be really cool. <laughs> well, you know, I remember that being the case with um, mm. with PlayStation games here. Like a lot of times, if you bought like the PlayStation magazine or whatever here, it would come with a demo disc of a bunch of different games, and it was like, yeah, that was so fun. Like it was, it was just such a great way to learn what was coming out and what was there. Um, I guess, I guess the idea now is like, you know, you just go on Humble Bundle or whatever, but uh -huh. like, it's, it's not. It's not quite as organic and not quite as as uh, as rewarding. So one question I have, uh, I was really uh, intrigued by the story in your games because there's not a lot of um, 
you know, it, like in classic sense, you know, because the um, you know, because it, it is a it's a fast game, as you say, like a Mega Drive game is fast. An NES game is fast, like especially mm-hmm. the two games I focused on Onaken and um, and Moonrider are like they're fast games, like they, they go quickly. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of room for for telling a story, right? There's not a lot of like cut seeds or anything. This, yeah, isn't, yeah. this isn't like heavy that way. But there is a story in each of your games, which I find like really cool. I, you know, Onaken. Onaken struck me a lot like um, a mix between the the kind of like, but not a mix between, but even like an homage to the like the nineteen eighties anime OVAs like uh, like MD Geist or or something like that. Like the, it's it's just like a fun kind of like I don't know. It has it has all the all the trappings of you're in an apocalypse and uh, uh-huh. there's just one man who can stop it, but a little also a little more self aware. It was really fun, and uh, and I'm not all the way through um, uh, the other, but like. That has the, you know, the, again, like it's, it's dystopian. It's, it's, I don't know. There's, there's the sort of like ancient Japanese flair to it. It's really fun. Um, Uh How is it like, is it hard to, um, do you find it hard to like get the plot sort of integrated with the story um, when you have so little time? Or is it something where it kind of ends up being a help because it allows you to, um, to edit more easily, like what you want and what you don't want. Well, it's it, it's a mixed bag because there there's a lot of stuff that, um, like w- when I'm working on the game, at first it comes the the basic idea of the plot, you know, like right. um, for 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 instance, for Moonrider, uh, I, I was like, okay, uh, I, I want to make like if it's a cyberpunk esque story, you know, right. like. Like um, those cool '90s '90s anime, like OVAs, hyper violent stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and a mix of RoboCop, a mix of um, lots of stuff from from the the '90s and Japanese stuff and uh, USA stuff. And it, it's also like um, that there was people that are, were asking, like, why, why you choose this? theme of Jap- Japanese with the, the game, since you're Brazilian. And it, it was like, for, 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 for during my generation in Brazil, we grew up watching those an- animes, and yeah. not just anime, but a lot of uh, live action stuff from Japan. So, Interesting. Yeah, did you, like, was, it, was it subbed and dubbed a lot, or did you have to learn? No, it, it was dubbed. Okay. And they, 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 they bring, the, uh, for, from the open TV in Brazil, with using the the original the, the the Japanese actors everything, they just dub, and it it was really cool. Like when I was a kid, my heroes were like a black coming rider. And <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it was not like Marvel stuff. It, it was more like a, a black coming rider, Jaspian, um, lot, lots of those live action ninjas and stuff from from Japan. And oh, they, nice. Yeah, it was a huge impact in my generation. And th- that's why I try to, to put that kind of visuals in the game, but I also try to put a, a little of cyberpunk story and, and like a talking, try to talk a little about kind of try to get a little polit- uh, political in the game. But since yeah. there is no, no room for a, 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 like, um, a very complex uh, dis- discussion, I just try to, to make like uh, in, in between the, the lines of the game, like, 
you see it's there, but uh, it's not the, the main the main guide of the game. Also, because of what was happening in Brazil during the time we development the, developed the game, we had a problem. So <laughs> was that was that uh, was it primarily like Bolsonaro's? Yeah, Brazil yeah. Then? yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, it was bad. So yeah, yeah. It, it, that's, all my friends and oh my, and oddly via Twitter, I've met more people from Brazil than I ever thought I would, uh, which is very cool, actually. Uh, one uh -huh. of my favorite things about Twitter. Um, it, but but um, yeah, everyone seemed to be equally sort of like this is not good. <laughs> yeah, this is not good. But there's a lot of people that uh, were big fans of the guy as well. So yeah, sadly those things happen. But it's. Uh, we, so, we tried to to touch that, but in a smaller way, and yeah, yeah, I, that's interesting. Because like I was gonna ask, and it it strikes me that like you know one of the one of the coolest parts about those old animes, uh, I, like Violence Jack's a good version of this uh, for mm -hmm. me. Like uh, which I I revisit, re, yeah, revisited recently for the podcast, and like it was really fun to watch it again as an adult because it's like man, there's like. There's just as much in here that is unsaid about like why everything going on in, in you know in Violence Jack's world is bad uh, than that said you know like you can you can make like claims about the politics of Violence Jack but it's all sort of like it's nascent and inchoate and weird and like you know it's a lot of guessing you know the the, the main thing is the violence and uh -huh. and you know that those animes are really like that where like yeah of course like you want to do like cyber city oedo or something like that and it's like uh -huh. yeah i guess i guess there's some politics here but uh, yeah, i can tell there, you what it is, is. But, uh, yeah, uh -huh. it's kind of there like, uh, it's cool. kind of there like um what's the anime oh, i don't but during the uh, i remember even the coming rider manga the, uh, she, 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 you know, try to to put some stuff like that in in, in it, but uh, it's very yeah. cool. Like, like, uh, and like some of the stuff, like um, Ashida no Joe, the the boxing anime, I know was used as like uh -huh. a or manga rather uh, was used as like a rallying cry for Japanese leftists, and in, uh, in that pe period of time, it's neat. Like, and it it is, it's always, um, I guess, like the the cool thing about it, and, and your Kamen Rider example there is really interesting too, because it's like it's it's embedded in the work it's never like i feel like a lot of you know contemporary political stuff is it's like it's very much on the surface right like yes, this is a political yes. thing whereas those things if they have a political edge like half of it is about half of finding that edge is you know within the the people subtle. watching it like interpretation uh -huh. yeah it's very subtle uh, i i like this this kind of um like not not in your face you know Mm. approach for i think it makes the the work more like timeless yeah and it also i think you know, there's, there's something that i think i agree with you and i also think there's something very real about um maybe this makes me sound like an old person uh which you know i'll, I'll wear that <laughs> if, if that's if that's the case it's, it's how it goes but uh, I, i'm an old person so. okay good we're both old people i never know when i'm talking to people on this podcast they're always like 22 and i'm like oh, oh no, no like, i'm this 36 is so going to make 37 this year okay so. <laughs> i'm 38 gonna be 39 so yeah, we're, yeah. we're pretty we're similar basically okay, the same age yeah. yeah that at that point yeah you're all the same age at that point uh -huh. <laughs> but uh yeah so like I, I, this might maybe like if this is old, if this is me being old, then that's fine. That's that's uh, you know I'll wear that. But like, 
it is it is like there's something really valuable about having to kind of like work out the politics yourself and figure out like why you think a certain thing, like why you sympathize with a certain character, why you like think a thing is unfair in, in media, because it, it just like instead of being like, OK, well, the thing told me that this is this is the right way to think. Yeah, um, yeah. you're you're coming at it organically. And I, I feel like those kinds of political commitments are, you know, they're much more lasting. Yeah, I think the same. Yeah, it's 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 great because you you figure out yourself and mm. maybe uh, you you talk with a friend and that's cool. It's it creates more like interpretation of of the material. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I, I I think that's like I think one of the one of the things I find really um, compelling about about the way you guys approach games uh, is that. And, and and I'm not opposed to to games having a lot of words. I love I love my visual novels and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah sure, uh -huh. fine with that. But I also think there's um, I think there's like a, a trend of over explaining in video games and like covering bases and stuff like that, making sure every single bit of plot has lore or whatever. Yeah. And what I like about like say Onaken is that like uh, you know the, the the plot basically is. Robots have taken over. Zaku <laughs> is the only one who can save us, uh, and he's also a mercenary who people don't trust. And it, it's like anything else, you, you you know, you can pick up here and there, but like that's mainly all you need. And yeah. you know the, the the you know having to sort of like interpret what's going on, the the kind of like organic quality of some of the robots, the weird like you know why why Zaku who Zaku is, where he came from, what his whole deal is, like all of this stuff is is left in many parts up to. Uh, the 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 player and I don't know it's it's it almost feels like a powerful thing to have it's like oh the, I get to like I kind of get to just like live with this and inhabit this I don't have to like immediately get a little you know note saying like Zaku's past that I could read if I want to <laughs> like yeah, uh, yeah. you know if I want to get the whole lore it's like um, a wiki of, of, yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah, I, don't, I don't think the Onikin wiki is very long um, uh -uh. I I would I would appreciate if someone wrote it though that would be that would be exciting um but yeah, no, I, I, I like again, like not to say that can't be good. I, I, I totally, I totally like as a writer, I appreciate writers, um, and I appreciate the work they do. But like, it's, it's writing. I guess yeah, that's what I'd say. Like the way you write stuff is also writing, and it's also like very, very, you know, careful and and interesting ways of approaching it. And I, I feel like that's something we've as like well, consumers of games or maybe producers of games have have lost is this like appreciation for you know, a, a very Simplicity. short kind of like yeah. uh, evasive plot as opposed to something that is like very much like, okay, here's all the blow by blow. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, 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 I like, because as I, as I told you before, uh, for the, the games that I like most that I've played most are, are the games that the, the plot was kind of, it, it was kind of there. It was cool. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, when I was a kid, uh, like, Oh, yeah, that's another thing that I think that make a huge impact for for me, because when when we are kids in Brazil and play video games, like um, we, we we speak Portuguese, and mm -hmm. during the, the the early '90s, no one speaks English here. It was very difficult. Like okay, uh, um, so the game came to Brazil. The, most of the games came to Brazil, and they're in English or Japanese because our market was flooded with Japanese games as well. It's yeah, crazy. that's so not helpful. <laughs> yeah, speak other language. <laughs> so for us, like most of the most of the times, we're like making 
trying to make the story in our heads ourselves, like like trying to figure out what that game was about, you know, like totally. Oh, yeah, like I'm playing Ninja Gaiden when when I, I, rem I have this vivid memory when I was playing Ninja Gaiden during like first grade or second grade. And I was like with my friend, oh, I think that this ninja is trying to to get that statue. Maybe that statue is important for something. And my <laughs> friend was like, yeah, maybe. Maybe the statue will give him power. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such like, there's, there's a... I, like, I, I really like that story because like, you know, there's a, there's a famous story about, um, uh, the, the, the Hidetaki Miyazaka who made the, uh, the FromSoft souls games, uh -huh. uh, or sort of like the brainchild behind them, I guess, sort of like the driving force. And one of his stories is that he got all sort of his like weird ways of understanding, or I guess not weird, but like off center ways of understanding fairy tales and fantasy by reading, um, fairy tales in English when he only half knew English and sort of like oh, having to piece yeah. together the rest. And uh -huh. like, you know, for him, that's, that becomes like this, like sort of epic tale of like, Oh, and you know, I, I added my own thing and it, it became more potent for that. I, I just really also like the kind of like extremely joyful version of that, of being like <laughs> sitting with a friend and being like, what, what do you think this is? Like, what, do, you, do you think that's yes. important? Like, do you think that I think so? Like almost like a, like a treasure hunt or something. That's exactly what was. Uh, I remember when the PlayStation came to Brazil. It never came officially, so it, it oh, was wow. like, yeah. And we bought like when a new Resident Evil game came. Like I remember Resident Evil Three. Uh, you go to those street shops that have the bootleg games, <laughs> and and we got like a Biohazard Three. And oh yeah, during, yeah. And <laughs> you'd you'd get the Japanese one. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese because it was what came first here. And, and, and remember that uh, uh, I was with our, my friend, and we could just understand like part of the English stuff because they speak English in the game, right? Right. But the text is all in Japanese, and <laughs> you know, like Nemesis, we didn't knew that the name of the guy was Nemesis. He oh, was just... always saying stars, and we start to call like, oh. Here comes stars. <laughs> so Nemesis becomes stars. I, I still call Nemesis stars even today because when when we were kids, like the the, the Nemesis stars, and we're like, oh, oh, is this stars? <laughs> run, run. That's so good. <laughs> like, a, a, like it it is absolutely like it absolutely reminds me of of like finding you know like old uh old sort of like badly translated fan subs or something like that growing up and having the yeah, same experience but like even exactly you know like this yeah you just you, you make it your own <laughs> that's really cool um i mean is there like do you do you bring any of that like feeling of like you know you having to translate having to to sort of like come up with with how the how the plot um, operates in, in a, oh, I mean, like, I guess we were talking about that. So do you imagine like some of the interpretation there the same way in your games? Like, uh, yeah, some of the interpretation is not, everything is not super clear. So yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah. I also really like the, uh, the, the very sort of like period appropriate, um, cause I, we grew up at the same time. So it immediately made sense to me that, 
uh, Russians are in your games as both like villains and heroes because the, uh-huh. the U.S. just kind of like Zhukov is the head of the resistance. It's yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, naturally Zhukov's the head of the resistance. And then like the, the, uh-huh. the guy on TV who's like who's saying like save your rations, we will kill all protesters. <laughs> it's all. It's like yeah, no, it's all. This all adds up. Like I, I'm, I'm, it totally makes sense to me. Yeah, like like in. in it's it's a mix because uh, here, um, even in Brazil we did never had that like oh the Russians are the bad guys you know just because right. the movies but it was never that kind of you know like mindset so yeah um, they we, and we I think like things. in in the nineties that was the same for Americans especially Ameri- like kid Americans because like. Yeah. The Cold War was so late. It, no one really was like talking about how bad the Russians were to us or anything, and so they just showed up in movies as bad guys. So it's like, well, I guess that's the. I guess like, they're the bad guys. Like Ivan Drago in Rocky. Yeah. Or as I was Natasha a big or whatever. fan of Ivan Drago when I was a kid. So. <laughs> well, I mean, he's super cool. Yeah. yeah I don't blame you. Must break you. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. If he dies, yeah. He no. Dies. Ex- <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I'm curious about, uh, and, and I mean, you can you can go in depth to this as much as you want, but it, mm. it's just something I'm always interested in when people make uh, games like you do, which again, like have that kind of like fidelity to um, the systems in which they're they're you know uh, um, homages of. Um, how like what what sort of like technical things do you have to 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 do in order to get it to feel like that NES or that like sort of like early PlayStation ish Sega Saturn ish sort of like platformer Mega Drive is probably the accurate thing here like uh-huh. a Mega Drive game like how do you how do you like what do you have to do to like you know I, I guess for lack of a better word um, emulate right yeah emulate or even like even like dumb down the the current. Uh, 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 development processes in order to get that feel again. Yeah, I think for Moon Rider and Blazing Chrome, they they're very Mega Drive style games. Mm-hmm. It it was trying. I, I if if you notice in the game, I I I tried to not use too much colors on on the screen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, is that is that is that I, we didn't really so uh, in America the Mega Drive was very much not popular so not a lot of people had them so I don't oh, necess- yeah uh, I played Mega Drive games but only emulated um, oh I see so is this a I, and so like I know that I know what you say when you say they're fast and like they're very fun but like in terms of like the colors and stuff I'm not as familiar is that like is that something that was was specific to the Mega Drive that it couldn't have too many colors on the same screen at once yeah the Mega Drive was really uh, it has a very low color count if you compare to the Super Nintendo or, or, or the, yeah, or the PlayStation. Like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Mega Drive could support 64 colors on screen at the same time. Oh wow! The, yeah, and the Super Nintendo, I, f- I think it it was like two 256 colors. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure that Mega Drive was just 64. And that w- was that was that gave the Mega Drive that that like that kind of of um, visual. Like yeah, everything it, in the Mega Drive, it's super. Like you have black and you have the colors. You don't have like this smooth of the Super Nintendo. Yeah, it it feels like I, I guess like it has more of a. Um, 
a dark or um it's sort of like grungy, i think yeah gr- yeah grimy yeah yeah exactly yeah. and like there are games on the super nintendo that try and do that like i, I think you can point to something like um I don't know, even even some of the fantasy stuff like Act Razor or something like uh-huh. that. It, feel, it feels like it's going for that. But there is something much more because uh, I'm thinking of like Splatterhouse. Splatterhouse is that way. And it's a Mega Drive game like yeah, those. A lot of textures. Yeah, no, that's right. And uh, yeah, that, I, I'd never I'd never known that that was because of the colors. That's really interesting. Um, and that, that I mean, that's something that like I think is is something that you could easily ignore while making your retro game assuming that most people aren't going to notice but um yeah i mean i imagine little things like that are all you know that and like the half pixels versus the the pixel movement like is that sort of like the central is that sort of the, the the main kind of stuff that you need to do like the little things right in order to make it feel correct to the, to the era Yes, that that was the the main thing that I tried to to follow when I'm I'm making a game that emulates a, a system. I try to use the same amount of colors that the system use. Of course, sometimes I, I cheat, as I told you. <laughs> it's important. Uh, yeah. we, we'd rather we'd rather you keep your head and make more games than uh-huh. and, and also just like live live a happy life. Uh, <laughs> yes, get it, get it precise. <laughs> And I, I, I'm trying to also like I, I don't use like half pixels because those those video games they work in in a pixel grid, right? Mm, okay. And not try to not use like advanced physical stuff, you know, like when you have particles that are you see that the, those particles have like advanced advanced physics stuff like that. All the the particles that we use we we made like. We hand coded the particle to move oh, like wow. a, yeah. So and rotation, we do not we do not rotate pixels. We so when we rotate sprites on the screen, you can see the sprites start to become very shitty <laughs> because of that. <laughs> but it's it's the kind of it's the kind of like shitty look that would be in those games, right? Like yeah, because that's another thing that those you know it it's part of the fun of, of retro gaming of like going back and playing those games to see what they were trying to do, like trying to like squeeze the most they could out of a system and, a, or like a, a, like a, a set of, a set of constraints. And, and I, I love seeing that in your games. That makes total sense. I, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm really impressed by like the, I don't know, the approach to thinking about like, <laughs> or like, I guess the way to say this is like, I'm impressed how much it comes through, right? Like in, in Moonrider, the fact that like when I'm doing the wall jumps, right? It's like, wow, these <laughs> don't feel as slick or as easy as wall jumps in modern games. And oh, you no, think ba- yeah. <laughs> and you think back to like how wall jumps worked in older games, you're like, Oh yeah, they don't like they don't work as well. Like you have to you have to work around them. You have to kind of like figure out your own language and method for for working out how to get how to manage these things, it's not going to be smooth. It's not going to be like, oh, I, I know how to get to this very easily. I'll just do a click, 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 and I'll be in. It's like, uh-huh. you know, those old games, you had to kind of like master a system of shorthand before you could advance through the levels quickly. Yeah, I remember for the wall jump on Moonrider, I was like, oh, man, I don't want to make the Mega Man wall climb because everyone <laughs> used that. It's so easy to use. Uh, I mean, I love it, the Mega Man wall climb, but I, I love get that. exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, uh, But it could break the design of the level. So I was like, no, I, I want to try something different. Maybe I will try to use the same wall jump that they use in Batman of the NES. And... 
uh, Shinobi 3 as well. Mm. And I, I, I implemented that, but man, it was so hard. People have so much, they, they have so much problems trying to, to learn that again, because it was <laughs> unused for so many years. It, it almost became like a, a, a rule of design, like you have to make a wall jump like Mega Man. And yeah. I was like, no, I want to make difference. Why cannot make difference? <laughs> Well, and I, I think like it, it feels much more like the Shinobi wall jump. It feels like like that that static wall jump, right, where you're not sliding. Yeah. It it's a totally different feel. Like I I think like you know it makes it feel much more. Yeah, it's not know, authentic, but it's yeah, also it, just like it it allows different level design. Even I would imagine uh -huh. like you have just, to have two walls close to to climb to wall climb. You you cannot like use just one wall so yeah <laughs> right you can't do yeah. yeah the the wall and then super jump off to get to something way across the way like uh -huh. that can't always be the secret at the end of the at the end of the game <laughs> which at the, like, the end of the game <laughs> yeah i kind of i kind of appreciate it it's like it's like okay you know when, it, when i saw a couple of power-ups at the first level before i had or uh, uh not power-ups but um little boxes or treasures or whatever the first level of moon rider before i had any power-ups i was like yeah, okay. This the jump I have currently is not gonna cut. <laughs> like, I need to come <laughs> yeah. back. Like it's it's it immediately evident. It's like there's no amount of like finagling I can do here. This is not, you know, there's Mega no Man way. X level one. Yeah, uh, exactly. I can't I can't figure out how to get the secret early. Yeah, um, and, uh, the cool part it's uh, start to see like players finding ways of cancel like cancel the movement of the oh, wall cool. jump and, and trying to make crazy stuff like being creative with the gameplay do you find that people are like are, are more willing to be creative with the gameplay or are they like i mean i i i would never tell you to listen to reviewers but because um, i think <laughs> i think that's that's a dangerous thing but uh yes. in terms of like you know response do you find players getting really frustrated with that or do you find them sort of like wanting to work with it and, and kind of enjoying it I think it's a mixed bag. Like okay. some sometimes people they they read so so much reviews and and try to like oh uh, they they starting to create rules for your game you know like mm. oh I don't I don't hey this is clunky this is kind of the, the, of course there's clunky stuff there's things that don't, doesn't work and <laughs> well anymore but uh, I I think sometimes people try. They didn't even try to learn that thing. They just like assume that that's a problem and and it's okay, you know. But there is also like I see a lot of young young players that are not um, like the the ones that didn't play old games too much, and mm -hmm. they they start to play those those retro style of, like my games. And I think they're more open-minded about the clankiness. Because they, they don't have the device of, you know, like the design. Yeah, and I, I think like, I think there's a, there's a forgetting that, I mean, this is with any aspect of life, but like in video uh -huh. games, there's a forgetting of how like, how you used to play games versus how you play games now and how that was like a continuum, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you mentioned the Mega Man wall climb, it's like that is something that appeared at some point and then slowly people kind of like, in, you know, put it into their game so much that now we're just used to it. It's it's what it's supposed to be ostensibly. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm thinking even even in Super Nintendo, like there's stuff that was in there in like extremely huge games that you just don't see. Like the uh, I, I was thinking about wall climbs and it 
brought me to thinking about the electro gun in um, a Super Metroid that would like connect you to little, <laughs> little oh, like yeah. nodes and pull yeah. you up. They don't. That, that's not anything that that has no. stood the test of time. That was like a weird attempt, and it's like okay, that's. That's it. We're, we're done with that. Yeah, uh, they made like experiments there and never use it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And like, I feel like looking back on those or looking back on what you can still do with those limitations is like, it's kind of at the core of what I, it's interesting that you say like younger gamers, because it's kind of at the core of what like, I think a lot of younger gamers like, which is stuff like, you know, building in Fortnite and trying to get it like, you know, trying to master that or uh-huh. even stuff like, as much as I'm not a huge fan, there's even stuff like Roblox or whatever, where it's like, it's a lot of stuff just like futzing around with rules and restrictions and conditions and stuff like that to make something new, which is I mean, pretty cool. That's like, that's, that's neat that it would, it would also show up in their appreciation of retro gaming. Yeah. It's, it's cool because they're, they're trying something new all the time. When, when we were young, we were always trying to bend the rules of the game. <laughs> and I, I think this is cool. And even for, for, for myself, like, um, I remember when I was young, I, I've played very little of, do you know Hagane for Super Nintendo? Um, I don't know it's, if it, how's it's it spelled? kind of, uh, Hagane, it's like H-A-G-A-N-E, um, it's like a... Yeah, okay, I see it. I don't, you know, I never played this game. Yeah, it's it's cool, but the gameplay is really weird. Like it's okay. it's 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 its own thing. It's very uh, different. And uh, I I was trying to play this game to get some reference for Moonrider. I, I think back in 2018, and I was being that person that was like, "What the what the hell? This is weird. This is, doesn't make sense. Why the gameplay is like that?" And I I I I was thinking like I was a. a, a like a designer trying to talk <laughs> badly about this game. But after trying and learning and it became natural and I was like, oh man, I, I, I got like, um, I was thinking that is bad just because I didn't want to try it. I was okay. so, yeah, you get so comfy in your own way of playing games that you started to don't try new things anymore. And I think that's what's happened to nowadays, maybe. Absolutely. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think like, you know, people complain a lot about the way games look in terms of like user interface and like, oh, you know, it's all this stuff and these like your quest mm-hmm. is here and it's so easy. And then you find games that take that away and they're like, I was confused by this game. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it was like, yeah. like wow. Well, if the game <laughs> removes all that, people are like, what the hell I'm doing here? What? Yeah, why, why should I do this? <laughs> like people, you know, people cite Elden Ring or whatever as like, well, this is what no UI does. And it's like, like, uh-huh. there's kind of more UI in this than a lot of games. Oh, I, yeah. There's I still a lot think of so. UI. I, I recently played one of my favorite games of 2023 was the remake of um, System Shock. Did you play this one? I, I haven't played that yet. I really, really want to. I loved System Shock oh, too. It's so good, man. I, 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 I didn't even play the first System Shock enough. Um, I play a little. And, man, the remake is crazy because there's nothing there's nothing there there's just the game and, and you're like what what can i do and i, I felt like um a, a, a younger version of myself because i was playing with yuri my friend who uh, make the code of blazing chrome and yuri was always in uh, and we not looking at the internet for nothing yeah no of course it makes it yeah. way more fun 
Yeah, and, and we always on Discord, and, and I was like, Yuri, I'm stuck. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. There's no markers, anything. <laughs> oh, man, I, I already got this part. You have to do this and that. I, I felt like I was playing a, a game when I was a kid again. And yeah, that was cool, but it's, That's really it's cool. not for everyone. It's, it's very different. I think like it, it reminds me a lot of my, my buddy, um, Mark Normandon. Um, mm. who's a really, really good games writer um, at uh, M-A-R-C-N-O-R-M-I-N-D-I-N for anyone who's not following him. But um, he writes a lot about old games. Like he'll he'll go through and cover like really obscure uh, shooters or like strange. He, there was a like a labyrinth tower game from the 80s that cool. just like blew my mind the way he was talking about it. And there are all these games that I feel like would never cross anyone's mind because they are so weird and different and like obscure. And like, if you actually got a hold of them clunky and what I'm always amazed by in, in his work. And I mean, I should probably be doing more of it. I always, you know, if I were to uh, say I could get something from it uh, for my own practice, that would be it. I, I, when he gives them a chance and actually like immerses himself in the mechanics, sometimes the games aren't good and he'll say as much. Uh -huh. I'll be like, this one wasn't as good, but a lot of times it's like, oh, it's doing this thing that no one's ever done before and it's or since. And it's really cool. It's um, really cool. And that's like, I don't know. That's that's something that, you know, there's a lot of talk. I wrote um, a book a couple years ago called Story Mode that was about like narrative in games. And, and I think, I, you know, it worked. It was cool. it was decent. Uh, and I, I think it did a good job. But like one of the things I definitely did not cover in that game in that book, and I think would be like something really interesting to cover in another would be. You know, just talking about how mechanics tell a story. You know, there's all this talk yeah. about art, art games, yeah. art and stuff. But like very rarely do people focus on like the actual way games convey information and how that can be so different and interesting. Yeah, I think the, the, the mechanics of the game are, are the, the language of the game. You know, mm. that's the video game language right there. Like when did we talk about the cinema language? You know, like <laughs> if they, they, they tell us like, oh, show, don't tell, right? Yeah. In, in video games, is the mechanics, I think. So that's actually, is... yeah, that's a really good point. Like it, it's mm -hmm. one of the it's one of the reasons that I think the story uh, comes across in something like um, uh, Oniken um, or, or, or Moonrider or Moonrider. But like, I think I think Oniken particularly because there is it's, it's even more pared down why it comes through so clearly even though it's like well where where's the story like how are you picking <laughs> up any story it's like well it has to do with the way that you like you know zaku moves or like the the kind of like faces that are given in the cutscenes, or you know the mechanics by which you have to like uh you know deal with this world of of strange machines even like the way that the machines die it's kind of like wow this is like this is telling me something about the machines yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I think, I think like that's all, that's all down to the way you guys, uh, uh, programmed it, which is, you know, not something maybe I would have ever thought of. So, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Cool. Thank you. And yeah, uh, it, it's, it's like, um, I, I like to make that joke. Like when, when I, I'm making a game and a friend come to me, Oh, so what's the story? And I say, well, the story is, in, is on my head right now, but soon I, I will put the story on the game. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to figure out yet. Uh, I have some vague intentions what the story is, and then we we we, we put it. <laughs> well, uh, do, do you ever do you ever have to edit anything out? Like, do you do you have to like take some of your own story out of it because there's just not enough space, or? 
Yeah, sometimes uh, um, like there, there's stuff that I've when put in the game, like you, you see that the game is starting to become bloated with something that should shouldn't be there, and it, it's it's in the way of the the, the flow of the game. Mm. You know, so I, I start to remove things. I, I remember in Oniken, I removed like some cutscenes because they're too much thing, and I still think that Oniken tells too much stuff. It's kind of there's too much text in there. I think there it could be more streamlined in some ways. Yeah, mm. I, I think there, there's a little uh, also Oniken has that language barrier because during that time I, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't comfortable to write things in English, mm. uh, uh, so it, it was. Th there's this problem as well. Like, uh, oh, how can I tell this story in the best way possible? And I started to to write too much stuff in the game. <laughs> That's really interesting. I think uh, like it's it's super. It just it reminds me of the. Um, the games that would have like comic books attached to them or whatever, like, <laughs> like oh, magazines. Yeah. Uh -huh, that was cool. Yeah. I just have like all the stuff that was, that was meant to, uh, find its way in. Um, like, you know, anything that had to get cut out, found its way in via, um, you know, some sort of comic book. We did that with blazing Chrome. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Tha Thais, uh, she was really, like um, in the mood for like, oh, it's a shame that we cannot put more story because it's a shooter. It's difficult to to implement. And then she wrote a comic book for for Blazing Chrome. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, and then the, the the we published the the comic book in the the websites, and it, it was really cool to to see. We, we commissioned an artist to to draw the comic book for for oh, us. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Did you find that that was fun to to get that extra space? Did that did that help out? Yes, it it was. Uh, I uh, I think next game that we're going to make, I, I will probably do it again because it's it's very fun to have like a, a small story in a different media just to complement stuff for people who really like the the characters. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Um, well, I've kept you for about an hour. Um, I, I was just fascinated by oh, it's all this. already a, a, one hour that was really fast <laughs> yeah, oh yeah it always it always feels super fast uh, um would you like would you ever come on i would we would love to have you back uh and tice as well um and you know if you're ever if you're ever up for it uh would love to would love to stream some of your games while talking to you about them um that might be really fun um oh cool sure yeah let me know if you're let me know if you're ever up for it um uh also i wanted to mention um thanks to uh at pile underscore of underscore things, uh, Twitter friend who who put me into Nello in touch. So uh, definitely follow them. They always post those cool comic books that used to be in the, the magazines and all. Um, but yeah, uh, anything anything you think we didn't get to? Anything you want to want to say before we uh, sign off? Well, I uh, just want to say thank you for for your time. And, and oh my thank gosh! You for, no. for talking with with uh, me about about our games. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. This has been like, this is, uh, I, I really, I hope the audience feels the same way. I'm sure they do. But like, I, I feel like this was a really, um, I don't know, it was an enlightening conversation in terms of why I feel the way I feel about certain retro games and not about others. Um, 
and and mm-hmm. the the idea of design and and mechanics. I'll be thinking about it a lot. So I'll probably be DMing you and bothering you and stuff like that. So oh, cool, cool. Look, look, look forward too. to that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. No, thank you so much for being on. You can follow Danilo. Um, it's at days underscore d a n i l o at at days underscore Danilo, um, and then also on Blue Sky, which I should really be doing more on as well. Uh, yeah, I should go back to Blue Sky. Twitter, Twitter is <laughs> awful. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thanks so much for being on, and uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge, or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.